Your legs might be broken, but our jeans will be fine. <laughs> in the rain waiting for the moment to change your lane I came home from the wasteland heroic and triumphant like a comic book girl created out of nothing like a comic book girl hey let's do it shall we do it shall we do it shall we do it Parker what about what what no bring what? us in what oh oh i'm bringing us in uh pull back hi. the the shades you know the the curtain it's time for our the, presentation the, our no feature presentation. i i can't look at the light it's too much for my eyeballs we're not pulling back the curtain but we are welcoming all y'all into our class discussion uh hello I'm hello so happy new person here. oh we have a new person this is exciting oh um, whomst might they yes. be yes I, my name is uh, Chadley Kenning. <laughs> and, hey now, don't laugh at my name. It was given to me by my by my 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 brother. Um, <laughs> he got he got a say in it. It was it's kind of weird, but you know what? I'm I, I'm you know our our, fa- our family kind of ran with it. <laughs> Chadley, lovely to meet you. I'm very happy that we're all here today. We get to talk about the Animorphs, but yes. I just want to clarify <laughs> that we now have Brad, Bradley, uh-huh. and Chadley. <laughs> oh, I, I I totally know them. I think I've seen them around campus, actually. Well, yes, Bradley is our professor. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, no, uh, Brad lives with me, and I bring him ice cream every once in a while. Anyway, um, <laughs> what are your pronouns, Chadley? And that's all. <laughs> My pronouns are he, him. Gotcha. I'm Parker Renevere, she, her, hers, and I gotta get something off of my chest. I have a confession to make. Last night in the wee hours, while caffeine crashing and maudlin about video games, I did order a whole pallet of the double spicy ramen. <laughs> now, you might be thinking that I ordered a case of, of the double spicy ramen, which is like, you know, the, the thing that's like 16 or like 32 of them. I did order a whole pallet of the spicy ramen so that's going to be arriving on some sort so of so you're canceled truck. you're can't that's it <laughs> i'm gonna need to start making like furniture or something like that one guy who <laughs> made like a like an end table out of vhs tapes or whatever like i've got more spicy ramen than i know what to do with ramen throne yes oh ooh, that's a good idea ultimate gamer chair <laughs> Very good. The gamer chair that costs, like, you know, a total of, like, $98. I mean, it's a little bit cheaper than my current gamer chair. It's a bargain as far as I'm concerned. And when you get a little hungry and you need a little gamer fuel, you got a snack right there. Yep, and some cheese whiz in order to make it eatable. Okay, I don't I don't need cheese whiz, but thank you for your suggestion. Who are you, by the way? Cheese whiz on ramen, sprinkle the powder, and then crunch. Who are you? Who, God, why do you have to say such cursed things? Who are you? <laughs> um, who am I again? Oh, I'm Erso Rin. My pronouns are she, hers. And my fun fact for this week is that I didn't think of one in advance. I, I never do. I'll think of something funny to say. Hold on. Can I just say while you're thinking, the, the, whole, the whole ramen and cheese was you can make the most cursed snack by basically, you know how like the ramen comes in sort of like two halves that you break apart? Yeah. Sort of like laterally. If you could put like make it a sandwich by putting cheese was in between those two halves, join them back together, and then just like 
Professor Leon, I'm really sorry about how this class discussion began. I, I promise this is not... I mean, you know that it's not normal for us. We're just having a day. We're just having a time. We're all trying to cope. We're all doing our best. I'm not. I'm trying like 50%. <laughs> okay. Well, that's valid. That's fair. Anyway, cheese whiz on ramen. Uh, great snack. Wonderful Animorphs fuel for the brain. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, we're reading uh, Animorphs Volume 32, The Separation, narrated by Rachel. She is turning into a starfish on the cover. She sure is, pal. She changes her pose during the course of the starfish morph, which is unusual, I think, for these covers. She's doing stuff with her arms. Like, she's she's getting out of the sort of, like, cross-legged pose. I don't think the models actually had the morphing capabilities so <laughs> now why not like i feel like you could save money like you wouldn't have to hire as much of a graphic designer although i guess that doesn't really make a huge amount of difference is it cheaper to get somebody who could just create it in photoshop or is it cheaper to like hire somebody briefly who has the morphing technology this was due to the great unemployment of all the graphic designers in 2010 when <laughs> There was that gr that mass firing. Do you remember that? Oh, yes. The Great Purge. Yes. Of all the baristas and the graphic designers. Uh, a truly tragic <laughs> event in modern history. Life was real tough if you were a barista who was also a graphic designer. Yeah, you mm. you were kind of sunk at that point. Yeah, double fired. It's really, it's really rough. Anyway, which is why I freelance. I've got a synopsis for this one. Shall I bring us up to speed on, on what, what happened in this one? I want to know what lovely sea adventure our friend Rachel goes on in this book. Yes, okie dokie. <clears throat> Here we go. On a class trip, Rachel morphs a starfish and is chopped in half by a terrible classmate. She survives, demorphs, and returns to the bus, but something is off. She's weirdly deferential and maudlin. Rachel meets Tobias to go flying, but now she's gleefully sadistic, and in the next chapter, we see that Rachel has been out flying with Tobias and shopping at the mall with Cassie at the same time. It turns out the two Rachels arose from the two halves of the starfish. Nice Rachel is sociable and strategic, but utterly cowardly, while mean Rachel is ferocious but incapable of empathy or long-term planning. After some knife shenanigans, Cassie brings both Rachels to a meeting of the Animorphs and Eric and Knuckles. Here's Eric's intel. The Yerks are working on an anti-morphing weapon and have purchased a product testing agency, which must be infiltrated that night. Jake tells both Rachels to stay home, but mean Rachel immediately leaves for the product testing plant, and nice Rachel arranges an in-person meeting with her father over the phone. Mean Rachel arrives, morphs a grizzly bear, crashes two cars, and terrorizes the local Hort-Bajir, scuttling <laughs> the mission in the process. The Animorphs and Eric regroup the next morning. The Yerks are moving the anti-morphing ray via several truck decoys, so it's time for a heist. Mean Rachel gets violent and is ejected, and she heads to the airport and prevents Nice Rachel from telling their dad everything. Later, the Animorphs split into pairs for the heist, and Jake drafts Nice Rachel to accompany him. Mean Rachel is knocked unconscious and left in the barn. Jake and Nice Rachel attach to their truck but are trapped by the Yerks in a compacting room. Mean Rachel pursues, morphs a hork and encounters Visser 3 at the compactor. Mean Rachel and Nice Rachel coordinate on a plan, the first time that they've done this so far in the journal, and they bamboozle the Visser and escape. Jake escapes too. The overall mission is a failure, and the anti-morphing ray is still in play, but the two Rachels agree that they need each other, and they reunite via an experiment experimental chi and delight collaboration that was wonderfully put mm. thank you i i take pride in making these like as efficient as i can yes highly succinct that moment where they like both turn into silly putty and like morph back into each other simultaneously we don't get a ton of detail on what that's like uh which i think is maybe a mercy for my my tender eyes <laughs> 
it would have been difficult for me to read that. That sounds rough. Yeah, it's really, really crazy. I'm so glad that Axe, like, what would they do without Eric and Axe? They always pit themselves as just, oh, we're just a bunch of kids. Also, we have, like, a race of super powerful androids on our side and also a genius with a tail whip. That, that was basically the first time they even tried that, right? What, merging people? Oh, yeah. absolutely. It's just like, well, I hope this works. Hope that, you know, something doesn't go horrifically wrong. And, you know, it, it, it didn't. But, like, boy. Uh... <laughs> they kind of have to do that, like, every week of their lives. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if this is actually how they hit upon the idea for cloning Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, if they, they just sort of bisect him and then sort of Are you of saying that this off. is where you think the technology... I think like, that's the this is this might be the origin point. I don't actually know. I don't think it is. You don't think so? Do you think it's a different process? Because they could. This could be how they cloned Arnold Schwarzenegger. If Arnold Schwarzenegger morphed a starfish and then got cut in half, what would his two sides be? Um, Ooh. One would be like Terminator-ish, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. But the other, the other half would be like what was that? What was that one movie? Was, was he was he in Kindergarten Cop or is that someone else? Yeah, I was about to say <laughs> Terminator and Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> yes. I was gonna say bodybuilder Arnold and governor Arnold. I mean, I think he sort of relies on his on his image as the bodybuilder, at least at first when he was governor. I think as far as the the characters he's portraying, there's can be we almost get some like mean nice differentiation there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Maybe it doesn't sense. always have to be that sort of distinction though. Mm. One of the Arnolds is incredible at sort of statecraft and presenting a face, and the other one knows how to bulk. Okay, so before we get much further, I have a hunch here. Uh, hey, Erso, can you open up your paper copy? Can you look on the sort of middle of the page in chapter one after, fortunately, we are not powerless? Do you see that? The Yerks aren't the only aliens with an interest in Earth. There are Andalites as well. Night and day, evil and good. Oh, I called it! All right, I knew it. Uh, our version says what? evil and not evil. Evil and not evil? <laughs> <laughs> evil and not evil is the word that is used in, our, in, in the version that oh I got God. off of the website. Evil and not evil. That's Chadley, so I don't dumb. know what you're seeing here, but we, we've noticed some discrepancies between the paper copies and the... Uh... Tell the class why you thought that that would come up. I mean, no particular reason. I just, you know, I just thought it was... In, I just I just predicted, I just had a hunch, but that's, that's all I have to say on the matter is that, huh, interesting that there's a discrepancy there. Here's the other thing about the PDF. Like, I knew how this was going to go once I got to, like, page 8, because my PDF reader gives me the chapter titles uh, in the bookmark bar, and, like, they're just labeled Nice Rachel and Bean Rachel. And as soon as I got oh. to the bit where she's like, I caught a glimpse of a blonde girl running away, I was like, okay, I know what's going on here. Right, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I had read this one before, so I just, like, remembered. It took me a while to actually realize what was going on. I wasn't quite reading critically enough before, but that scene in the mall where she almost stabs that girl, like, twin, like, with a whole bunch of knives. Um, knife shenanigans. Knife Old shenanigans, man. yes. Uh, mall security? Mall <laughs> security in California in the 90s was nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. It's just because she's white. That whole process must have taken a fair amount of time because she stabbed like 10 knives into that girl's sweater. So like she was screaming the whole time. So it's just like, that's a process, you know? It's she stabs a bread knife through her sweater into a cutting board. Bread knives, they don't have pointy tips. They emphasize that Rachel's able to take all the Animorphs on in just her human form, or mean Rachel is, but something about what happened must have given Rachel superhuman capabilities, a la Xena the Warrior Princess for real, because... <laughs> 
<laughs> Rachel does like a from a standing position, like before anyone can react, a forward flipping somersault and then like a kick onto Marco's chest. Yes. Mm-hmm. This was the moment in chapter eight where I was like, okay, me and Rachel rules. <laughs> yeah. What? She's too powerful to be contained. <laughs> Please nerf. A terrible dude makes a crass joke at her and she responds by like taking him down to the ground and just being like, say it again. I found myself being like, oh my god, Mean Rachel's so cool, but uh, Mean Rachel's not a good person. I don't actually think that she's like... Mean Rachel is not like a full person. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. it was hard for me occasionally to sort of restrain myself and my enthusiasm for the cool stunts that Mean Rachel did. <laughs> The sort of last line of chapter seven, I want to bring the energy that she brings into this Animorphs meeting into every single thing that I do. <laughs> the Animorphs are having a meeting and then she like kicks down the bar door and she's like, all right, what's the mission? When do we start? And how many Yerks do we get to kill today? I am hungry for some wild butt kicking. Ha ha! Like... That's incredible. I aspire to that level. I I was just really looking forward to you reading some of these lines aloud. Uh, Yeah, I could do that, whichever ones. I've got a couple I've got sort of like picked out. Mean Rachel's insults in this book, I swear to God, are so (laughs) elaborate and funny. Like, even the bit at the beginning of chapter six, when she's just going through a mall and being like, man, why am I at the mall? The digs that she gets in on a literal toddler are I know. very they're very bad but they're also very funny just like the obvious contempt that she has for for youngins is like <laughs> weirdly funny to me as somebody who has worked in childcare before i was just like every once in a while i love to just see somebody be like oh yeah children are brats and i hate them and I'm like, yeah, i understand that <laughs> gotta really you know like keep them in line real reality check for the youngins yeah i can't rip into them like that when they're annoying to me and so i i, I get a vicarious thrill from mean reading. rachel's the kind of person who would see an, a toddler who's being annoying and like line up his head on the ground like a football and punt him across the field (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) i did get a real kick out of mean rachel and i sort of had an opposed sort of feeling to nice rachel where i was like oh i don't know this is not somebody who excites me but like yeah like uh, around the beginning of chapter five i was like i'm not sure i'm gonna like this book that much but then once i like sort of got into the groove i'm like okay actually no this book rules (laughs) But that's the interesting thing about the two halves, right, is that, you know, I mean, in, in, in theory, right, it's basically the two halves of a person, but it seems like those two halves, you know, on one hand, you have nice Rachel, who is like, you know, like, yeah, she, she's a little bit paranoid, she's, she's cowardly, as the book describes her and portrays her, but like, definitely like a person you could find just about anywhere, I would think. God, you're right. Like, like obviously, you know, it's not, it's not Rachel, but it's like, you know, that that difference is is clear. But it's like, you know, another person could absolutely have this kind of personality, and then you have Mean Rachel, who is like, even by like serial killer standards, she is out there. That's the kind of thing where it's like, if you find out that you have a Mean Rachel in you, you have to go to some serious therapy. I feel like I've met men with Mean Rachel's personality, though. Right, but, like, the personality, but also actively ready to be like, all right, I'm just gonna, like, kill, like, five people today, actually. Okay, just. well, yes, no. Sorry, Erso, I cut you off. You're gonna No, 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 something. you're good. Um, I do think, like, it's an even divide between the two of them, but it's not right down the middle, you know? Like, they don't both have an equal amount of executive function. Like, Nice Rachel yes. lacks executive function, 
to an extreme degree. So she doesn't have any capacity to like organize herself and will herself to do things that she doesn't want to do in a specific moment. Right, which is like a thing that people have mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis. But also mean Rachel, it's, you know, you say that like, oh, that's like an extreme to like, uh, you know, such a, a high degree, even for someone like, even for a realistic parallel. But like, I don't know, I feel like I possess some of that energy. And that's part of the reason I relate to Rachel a lot in these books. It's like a Hulk thing, like you're always mad a little bit. And mm-hmm. like, that catharsis is definitely a part of your personality that you crave and work towards and Mm. find satisfaction in. So like, yeah, I, I actually feel like I can relate to each of them because they become such extremes when Mm. they're separated and they're not able to balance each other out, which brings me to the question. I have a hypothetical for y'all that does not involve horses actually. Oh my God. Or hibachi restaurants. (laughs) I'm shocked. (laughs) Ansel, you're branching out. I'm so proud of you. Okay. Actually, just kidding. Uh, So let's say a horse, you morph into a a starfish and a horse (laughs) working at a hibachi restaurant cuts you in half. (laughs) With one of its cool hibachi knives. Yes, one of its cool hibachi knives. Uh, In midair, it's extremely, it's extremely fancy. And then before you hit the ground. You were like, how can a horse be that dexterous? (laughs) You demorph into your two halves. What are your two halves? My two halves? Your two halves, honey. Oh, geez. Um... (laughs) You as well, Chadley both of y'all this is an open question i think mine would be like aspirational dreamy parker and like hedonistic self-satisfied parker Ooh, i like that distinction there's the part of me that wants things and the part of me that like that tries i like to try sometimes you know and i like want good things for people and i want good things for myself and i like i got hopes and dreams and stuff and i try to pursue that and that gives my life momentum but I know that also there's a large part of me that would be absolutely happy to, like, just be on the video games all day and just revel in the self-satisfaction that I get from indulging myself. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So that's probably how that would go for me. A weird question to contemplate, because it's like, you know, are you get, are you getting split sagittal or, like, you know, like... Beyond the physical, you never quite know, is my anxiety getting split in half or is all my anxiety going to one person, in which case that person, like, needs immediate assistance right. yeah. to exist, basically. Um, yep, yep. You know, it's one of those things where it's, like, depending on how, how everything gets shaken out and, like, divided, it's, like, I could imagine two people who are, you know, very different but able to, like, kind of do their own thing, and then you have one person who's, like, pretty decent, the other person is just, like, needs assistance and in so many ways yeah i think that in the case with rachel it's like you've got that degree of sort of like being compromised nice rachel it's very difficult to get her to sort of do anything but she also inherits some like qualities of rachel's that enable her to do things so i think it's a mixed bag either way so i think that even if all of your anxieties put into one basket that probably also has like i don't know some other quality that maybe your anxiety drives that enables you to do something even if it's not like sort of quote-unquote normal functioning you know 
Right. The concept of like, oh, when you go blind, all your other senses somehow heighten kind of thing. Right. A little bit, yeah. And like definitely the the good and the bad sort of balance it out. Like in my case, like the sort of like ambitious sort of like, I like to do things and I like to make things better for people, like does not care about self-care whatsoever and <laughs> would just burn itself out so, so quickly. Whereas the sort of just like hedonistic kick back and just like have fun is just like, oh man, I'm, I'm feeling something in my body and so I'm going to attend to it, you know? So like I'd probably be more sustainable but like it'd be harder to get me to do anything so it's a mixed bag either way i think for me i would be the the divide for me would be somewhere along the line of like sentimental and needy and mm. um creative and anxious oh oh i like that well as a follow-up question, would you two would you two halves be able to work together? You know, would you be able to be roommates? <laughs> they were roommates. That is, see, that is the killer question. That oh my really God. is the killer question, Chadley. Oh man. Because <laughs> I think I think you know if if I'm imagining how my my halves would split, I think that I would at least be able to have to the two halves would be able to take care of each other in a relatively symbiotic relationship because um, mm-hmm. I feel like that's what happens inside of me not split by a horse at a hibachi grill uh, <laughs> even, when, even in that situation but you know obviously as we saw in the in the journal that you know it's like the, there was the, the whole thing was you know the two halves of Rachel trying to work together right there wasn't much synergy there but I'm curious if other people maybe they think that they're even even split their their halves would be more you know synchronous that is that is such a great question. I honestly, yeah. Or like, how long would it take before they were like, "Oh man, we really need each other." Yeah. For me, I think it would take total breakdown on the part of one of the other, mm-hmm. or like one or the other. Absolutely, because like my sort of side that wants to do things would be like, "You just are on the treadmill and or the sort of like the VR headset all day. Like, what are you doing? I'm gonna go do stuff." And then I would pass out in a coffee shop or something like that from lack of sleep, and it'd be like, "Oh." <laughs> I honestly, I don't know if my different parts would be able to come together, but like Rachel is able to do it. But I think, yeah, the, I'm not sure what sort of situation would have to arise to make, to put me under enough stress that like the two halves of me would have to work together. I Oof. guess if, if mm. someone I cared about was like in danger, then that would happen. Well, that happens to Rachel. Yeah. Uh, and it, it kind of works. Although me and Rachel really doesn't, give a care about jake so uh. oh i found the part where i really like vibed hard with nice rachel it's in chapter eight uh although when i thought about it my look could use some freshening up i mean what was with all the pants and jeans why shouldn't i wear dresses i have great legs i could wear dresses and look good the shorter lengths the longer lengths like you know with a slit or whatever why shouldn't i try the waif look i mean i could be a waif i could do the slinky dresses with like the big i have had this exact internal monologue and i feel called out this is just me looking at my wardrobe 20 minutes after my egg cracked and being like oh no (laughs) i have oh gosh i was like yep no i know exactly what you mean i could i could do that i could pull off a waif look yeah i've seen pictures of you you got great legs i'm not just a muscle hamster i could do all kinds of stuff (laughs) i could pull off every look they would just have to be really short skirts because of how short you are as a person true 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 Oh, man. I don't know. I, I had fun reading about Nice Rachel, but I think I would probably be more like Nice Rachel in a real situation. Nice Rachel made this book 
like a, <laughs> an absolute riot for me reading it. My favorite mm-hmm. part, I think, I think my favorite line, because obviously there's so much disturbing crap that goes on in this book that like, I was reading this and I was like, how does someone recover from this? Like once you're whole again. And I mean, maybe that's what people with dissociative identity disorder go through all the time, you know, totally unprepared and like with all the other stuff you're dealing with are you okay after this? Anyways, <laughs> the funny part that I did like, that it was when Nice Churchill was talking to her dad on the phone, and <laughs> her dad starts talking about <laughs> something that he was in- being interviewed about or interviewing someone, and she stops him and she's like, um, daddy, this is like about me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and there's like this certain selfishness to the Nice Rachel side that I'm glad that they included, and also I very highly relate to. (laughs) There's obviously pre-existing problems with Rachel's family, and it's interesting to see how the two have engaged with that. Um, Mm, You know, because it's it's like you know clearly, clearly it's like not not all is well in a in that household, and and from what I can extrapolate, you know, a lot of the animorphs have their have their own problems. which, you know, aside from fighting in a horrific war, you know, can affect a teenager growing up, in fact. <laughs> but, you know, the kind of thing of, like, basically, you know, her dad meets her at this airport between a layover being like, oh, yeah, I have a kid, you know, better better go check what's up, you know, can I throw more money at you? <laughs> Gotta remember to be a dad. Yeah, basically. He's always and it's, like that. And he's, just, and he's just like, are you on drugs? Have you been dating a college kid? <laughs> Come on, Rachel's dad. Well, I don't know if you know this about the Animorphs, but he, like, got a job opportunity and moved away as a result. Like he and Rachel's mom are divorced. Mm -hmm. We saw that job opportunity happen. We saw the sort of calculus of him being like, well, I'm going to go to this other place and make a bunch of money. You should join me. And that was his selling point for Rachel. He's like, oh, I'm going to be able to like, go to all these nice places and stuff and i'll bring you to a gymnastic school yeah all you have to do is like leave your mom and (laughs) your sisters and your whole life your whole life gymnastic school gymnastic school kid yeah he sure does need that refocusing back to (laughs) hey hello it is time for you to be a dad you need to check that off in your uh, in your quest blog. <laughs> Press X to be a dad. <laughs> At one point, nice Rachel says, I don't think he's cute because, you know, it's bad enough to be attracted to a guy who's a bird of prey, right? Getting into androids is maybe going a little far. And I'm like, oh, you sweet summer child. You have seen but the faintest rays of what humans are capable of. I highlighted that as well. <laughs> I think now is the time to talk about the joys of being a grizzly bear driving yes. a big rig. <laughs> yeah. That, that, just that scene, I literally had to like stop reading and process it. She's like driving through the complex and there are all these like robots doing the testing and she pulls up to like a place that's like testing blue jeans and she's like, ah oh, man, I wonder if they have my brand. I'm like, that is just some commercial that someone has filmed before. Yeah. And just like I can picture it so clearly, but uh, it's like it's like a fever dream as well. I'm pretty sure Levi's did that. Like Levi's like recreated this incident for an ad at one point. <laughs> I could imagine it. I think I think that's a thing. I'll try I to I hate that up. you're probably right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um but yeah, pro chip loser highway or Mercedes by dramming your massive bear claw straight into the keyhole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, just go for it. Just crank that. Uh, your your Literally. your bear claws could give you access to all cool machinery. I can't imagine a, a world. Uh, I don't want to live in a world where the grizzly bear that Rachel was was not wearing sunglasses for this. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, you know what? They were just like up in the um that little compartment above mm. in the truck, and when mm-hmm. she like slammed through <laughs> the truck into the facility, they fell down and. F- like went on her face but she yep. couldn't tell that they were there because of all the fur and also she's bad at seeing things as a grizzly bear <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah this is the greatest mission failure of the animorphs career so far <laughs> this is like when in a video game i don't know if you guys have ever experienced this but i experienced this quite often in video games because I'm not very good at them, but <laughs> this is, like, in a video game when, like, you've failed the mission, and it has, like, mission failed screen, but then, like, stuff is still happening in the background even though you're dead, and, like, yep. <laughs> there's, like, a bunch of, like, glitches <laughs> happening, and, like, people's bodies are being flung everywhere, and, like, you're yep. dead on the ground, but, like, it's popping off behind you. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. Oh, my God. Uh. It's just really good. Like they were inhabited by a brigade, brigade of, of invisible, invisible hyperactive fathers. <laughs> yeah. An incredible line. I don't know if that's Rachel's line or if that's somebody else, but I have to assume it's Rachel because that's gold. I think Mean <laughs> Rachel is like a lyrical genius. Frankly. I think Mean mm-hmm. Rachel should have gotten into hip hop. I think Mean Rachel should have had a hip hop career. I think she could have done really well as like an absolute like junkyard dog. Like Oh, absolutely. Uh, yep. She could have. She could have put out a couple of really good bangers. I also love how completely flabbergasted Eric that she is about this whole thing. He's just like, yeah, this is too crazy for me. I'm a thousand year old robot man, but like y'all are too much. <laughs> He's like, I have to stop hanging out with you people. <laughs> I got you guys are just crazy. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> I don't know if I want any part of this. I live in a dog park under the ground. <laughs> I just want to play fetch. This is, this is, no, I can't. Have you ever had the experience that, that nice Rachel has of being terrified to do something that you've already done before and are theoretically like really practiced at? Oh, definitely. I actually, you know what? I feel like this phenomenon comes up for people who aren't split personality, split body people of like, Mm -hmm. no matter how many times I, I do this, it'll always be just as terrifying. I actually mm-hmm. really feel like I don't experience that. And I don't know if mm-hmm. that's just because me, the way I have dealt with my mental health issues, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Stuff actually does just get easier. And I was like, oh, hey, wow, I was expecting the worst, but pleasantly <laughs> surprised. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's like, usually if I'm not thinking about it, I can I do stuff that I've done before pretty easily, but it's like when I psych myself out, you know, my, my anxiety comes to the forefront. It's like, even though I've literally done this, so many times before all of a sudden my anxiety is just like but did you do you actually have those experiences or is, or is it all fake like is it just suppose here if if just suddenly you you didn't act you weren't actually good at the thing you were and like oh shit, is that true yeah yeah i mean i feel like you can like psych yourself out of anything yeah oh yeah. definitely which is not comforting <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, given some stuff that I've done in my line of work in, like, hospice care, it, like, <laughs> this has come up a few times for sure. And usually it's not as hectic or, like, minute to minute as, like, work in a hospital, but it happens every once in a while, and I'm like, oh yeah, relatable to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I 
also find myself relating very strongly to nice Rachel. Like, I think on the whole, I probably relate to nice Rachel more. And maybe that's why it didn't come up as much. But like one line especially that she had, what kind of world is it when, when you have to make choices like that? A bad mm. world, that's what. And she's talking about having to make a choice between dying or doing something horrible to avoid dying. And just like, mm. I don't know, it's like very na naive of her, obviously, to think that. You could characterize it as cowardly, I think. But I, I think that that's a valid experience and something I go through a lot. And it's just hard to make that choice and it's okay to be vulnerable about it sometimes. Yeah. Mm. Nice Rachel said another world is possible, you know? Yeah. That sort of gets at a thing that I've thought about a lot about, especially the concept of choice, right? It's, it's a big thing in like society and it's really pushed to the forefront of choice is connected to responsibility and consequences. But, you know, the reality is that not everybody has the same choices that they can make, you know? And I actually, I, I read this really, really potent line that really stuck with me because I think it really got to the heart of what it sort of meant to me was, you know, it's basically like the concept of choice is a tenet of privilege in some ways, hmm. you know? Mm it's like people can frame other people's decisions as choices but in reality i think that choice necessarily includes a knowledge of what's going to happen right some people have no idea what's going to happen if they make a choice mm, yeah and you know like agency right if you're forced into one of these things then it's not really a choice it's just a thing that you have to do to go forward and so I think that using choice can sometimes be a bit obfuscating for people with privilege and, and people people not, you know? So like, you know, when, when Rachel says that, it's like, yeah, it's kind of a representation of not really having a choice. It's more of a thing of like choosing to die is not really a full choice you can make, you know? So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I have the consequences of living with these awful things, but you didn't freely choose those consequences, you know? Yeah. Tell that to every hotshot on Twitter who's arguing with essential workers. I mean, honestly... <laughs> Uh, yeah, that that is, honestly, that's such an excellent point. Yeah, it is. It really is. I'm just trying to think about how that applies to, like, different stuff that I've, I've thought of, and I definitely, like... Every time I've heard, you know, choice brought up in a lot of conversations, it's always bugged me a little bit. It's like I never could really figure out why. It's subtle. It's so masked by, like, layers of privilege and, like, various other things. In the end of the day, I think it's really just, for a lot of people, a way to, to justify blaming societal failures on the individual. Honestly, and I think part of the reason I think that that, like, hits home is because of, like, reproductive rights and mm. the access to the healthcare for that sort of mm -hmm. thing. Like... Mm -hmm. I don't think that, I mean, probably somewhere, but this is not as much as a thing as it used to be, thank God, of access to reproductive health care used to be something that was just open for debate at all times. Like, you know, people's health and bodies was just under fire and there was never any sort of thought of like, oh, hey, like maybe we need to afford people the privilege to be able to choose and making it seem like it's a choice whether or not to have a child or to become pregnant in the first place is like crazy and <laughs> doesn't work within the society that we have set up at this time. Like what you're talking about carries a lot of historical weight to it as well. Mm, for sure. Oof. Man. Got deep there. Got deep. deep. <laughs> <laughs> we try to. We get extra credit depending on how deep we go. <laughs> Oh, thank God. I, I need it. <laughs> came a long way from being a grizzly bear driving a big rig. Or Mean Rachel releasing slam dunk record albums. Yeah. I mean, you have to sort of cancel her for being a social Darwinist at some point or another, but <laughs> she's like, only the strong survive. The and I'm like, strong. Okay, yeah, that's ridiculous. She's got some, some politics that make even the terrible anarcho-primitivist in my heart cringe, you know? <laughs>
Well, I am glad that we get to see that, though, because if that hadn't been her core philosophy, that would have been unrealistic to the kind of person Rachel is. Mm-hmm. Because we see that even when she's not mean Rachel and nice Rachel, when she's just regular Rachel. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I was going to say that. Like, I think I was rereading this book and I was like, wait, wait a second. Is mean Rachel, like, textually a eugenicist? Yeah, mean, mean Rachel is saying, like, the quiet part that Rachel keeps under wraps out loud. Yeah, because even even when she's not in the fight, you know, in the, in the in the airport, she she says, you know, oh, the 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 waiter should serve the strong before the weak, kind of thing. Sounds yeah. a little fashy to me, friend. Oh my mm. god, Rachel with no inhibitors is just like extremely bad. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't get to see a lot of her on the flip side of that, and I kind of wish that uh, we got a little bit more of that. We we see her sort of like railing against it. But we don't sort of hear a lot from her in that position, and that to me is interesting. On the one hand, it, it makes me curious. On the other hand, it's fine that we don't see her suffering further. Rachel suffers enough. Speaking of how much Rachel suffers, can we also just take a moment for Bobo the Bear? <laughs> oh, Bobo the Bear. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. A moment of silence for Bobo. <laughs> I thought it was very funny that Mean Rachel dismembers Bobo the bear and then tells a story about her as a bear becoming dismembered. That is funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> she beat a hork with her own arm. How freaking metal is that? Oh, my God. It's pretty metal. Um, <laughs> it's just so over the top. It's yeah. so, so wild. It's extremely intense. Like, I want to embody that energy, but I don't want to embody all of the negative qualities that come with it. So I guess that's uh, that's Rachel in a nutshell is like, yeah, got to synthesize that total zaniness and that total willingness to just like do the dangerous, but also incredibly freaking sweet thing that needs to be yeah, done yeah. Uh, while moderating it with like any amount of good sense and any amount of respect for life in general. Honestly. I want to talk about the compacting room. I'm confused by this because on the one hand, compacting rooms exist. Like oh yeah, this those. makes this makes zero sense the way that she describes it. But I think is it I think it's Mead Rachel describing it, but like the way that Mead Rachel describes it, it's like, wait, no, but that's not what those look like or how they operate. So I'm wondering if this is just another your sort of hologram moment, because also they're expensive to install. You have to put a whole other room inside this sort of exterior room and put in a bunch of motors and stuff. Yeah, is this like Visser 3's secret, like, <laughs> crushing room lair that he keeps for this specific purpose, for capturing the Andalites? Like, what? This is my crushing room. <laughs> where I go to crush all of my bad feelings <laughs> into smithereens. Maybe Visser 3 uses this for exposure therapy, but I don't imagine anybody other than himself would, like, I don't imagine he would trust anybody other than himself with the controls, so, like, I don't know what that, I, I don't know. Yeah, and I think- Oh, no! I just had a very upsetting thought. Oh, Lord. Tell us. Which is that this is the Visser's way to torture Aloran. I was gonna say that Aloran is already, like- terrified enough so maybe it wouldn't even be effective but like if it is effective then it's probably a very very effective way of like making sure that Aloran doesn't have any way to fight back yeah because like he mentions that it's like it's deeply instinctual for all andalites to to fear this situation so like oh that that i actually hate at first i was like all jokes about it but like no i actually oh i super legit hate that i don't think it's real though because this is not what those look like so i, th I feel like this is just another hologram moment just another hologram moment <laughs> yep. i mean he, they could have had one i don't know are they still in the product testing facility 
Because, like, maybe the product of testing people are like, ah, oh, yes, this is our crushing room where we test large <laughs> objects that we then crush. <laughs> Do they have to crush a whole room full of pallets of pants and see what comes out? <laughs> 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 they make one incredibly durable crush proof of pants. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you tired of your jeans getting crushed on the job? <laughs> Your legs are protected. Worry not with our certified crush-proof jeans. You can't move in them. Your legs might be broken, but our jeans will be fine. <laughs> They're very, very starchy. Extremely starchy. <laughs> I had a friend of mine who was briefly into, like, bespoke designer jeans, and at one point he sent me a picture of a pair of jeans that he was thinking about buying that didn't have a mannequin or anything. They were just standing up by themselves. <gasps> <laughs> because they were so stiff. It was just, like... You just you want to wear that on your on your body? Now I'm just imagining cutting up those jeans to put in like points of articulation. <laughs> I think what we them. were talking about is a constructed suit of denim armor. Jarmer. <laughs> Jarmer. Johnny armor. You'll never pierce past my chest plate. <laughs> my juirus. It even stops Draken beams. That's the cool part. Draken beams. It's so it's so dense that it the Draken beam just has to take forever. <laughs> to... Draken beams. Oh, I hate you! Oh my god! <laughs> Watch out! It'll japerize you. Tears your jadams apart one by one. <laughs> now I just want like a, a superhero named King Jidas who oh, just no. turns everything to denim. Oh, no. oh, God. <laughs> I feel like that would be you, Parker. Uh, why? Because you have very denim energy about you. Do I? Yeah. You're very All practical. Right. Yeah. A very can... denim aura. You have a denim yeah. aura. I have a denim aura. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Next week, we're reading Animorphs Volume 33 The Illusion. Is this Tobias morphing into an Andalite here? This is Tobias morphing into Axe, specifically. So this this book is the most traumatic thing to ever happen to anyone ever. What if it's just Axe morphing into a red-tailed hawk and Tobias is just chilling, being like, yeah. He's watching. <laughs> Tobias's awful bowl cut has returned. Okay, uh, a couple journals ago, Chadley, I got... Um, it was Jake morphing into a Peregrine Falcon on the cover, and I was I, I I was convinced it was Tobias because they have identical awful bowl cuts, and I was totally wrong. Uh, I was bamboozled utterly by. <laughs> oh my god! I love the the transition from two hawk legs into four andalite legs is like immediate, and like the second picture is like already four andalite legs. Go, let's do it. <laughs> cool. Tobias morphs into his uncle in the next one. That'll be exciting. <laughs> This book sucks. This book is really hard to read. Alrighty, cool. Stay safe, everybody. Thanks, Chadley, for uh Wait, you didn't ask Chadley session. if he has any final notes. Oh yeah, Chadley, do you have any final notes? Not that I'm aware of. I'm I'm still <laughs> processing what I read this week. The sheer insanity that is Animorphs number thirty-two. <laughs> Alright, well, this is a great discussion. I'm so glad to have met you, yeah, Chad, uh, Chadley. Yeah. I almost said Chandler. Um <laughs> Thanks for having me here. Uh, good to be here. Glad to get my credit. Yeah, nice. well, hopefully you uh, make a, credits. a second appearance. That would be fun. That would be cool. Fun. Cool. Alrighty. Stay safe, everybody. Stay safe. Yes. The Morph Report is on Patreon, and we now have our first patron. Thank you so much to Jay for your support, which will help us pay for our hosting fees on Pinecast 
and our transcription of all of our episodes. We have several tiers up on Patreon, and we are putting out content. Currently, we are putting out monthly curated recommendations of media for Animorphs fans, and we are working on getting out our first blooper reel. Check us out on Patreon to see these and more. Thank you. Stay safe. Thanks to Noelle Micarelli for the use of their songs Comic Book Girl, off the EP Field Notes from Another Place, and Complicated Spoon. You can find more of their music at noellemicarelli.bandcamp.com. The Morph Report is hosted by Marina Malucci, Scrivener Lamb, and Blythe. You can follow us on Twitter at Morph Report. If you have a question for the Podmorphs, tweet at us or send us an email, and we'll answer it on the show. Our email is themorphreport at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. love the Animorph series? How about podcasts? Do you love podcasts? Well, then listen no further, dear listener, and allow me to introduce the Animorphs podcast directory. Here you'll find an ever-growing list of Animorphs-themed podcasts to sit your every Animorphin desire. Check it out. We'll see you there.